Welcome to A Handful of Hope, where we bring you heart-to-heart conversations with heart-centered people. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of A Handful of Hope. I am so happy and grateful to have Paul Fortune with us here today, who was born with cerebral palsy, and it was so severe that doctors told his mom that he would never be able to walk. Thank goodness for a wonderful mom and a great mindset that that wasn't his story. He was able to overcome it and is now able to live a very active life. However, it wasn't easy to get to it at that point. Today, as a mindset coach, Paul shares his story with his clients to help them rewrite their own stories to go after their true dreams and desires. Paul, welcome, and thank you so very much for being here with us today. Jesse, thank you so much. I'm excited to have our conversation today. Me too. You know, Paul, let's start with your last name. You were just telling me about the fortune, and that's not the, the proper pronunciation from Italian, but your parents switched it to more of a traditional. Just go through that really quick, because I think it's a great little story, and what an awesome last name. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it wasn't my parents. It was, I, I, I think it was like three or four generations. So it was like great, great, great grandparents that came over, uh, migrated to uh, Pittsburgh, I believe. And uh, they wanted to keep the, the last name, the spelling. But at the time, it wasn't popular to have an Italian last name. So they, they changed the pronunciation of fortune. But the Italian way to say it is forchione. You know, when I think of mindset, though, and for someone like yourself who has utilized mindset so much to overcome limitations that were placed on him, you know, what a powerful place to start with a mindset like that to have in built into your built into your identity, literally the notion of fortune when so many people grow up struggling with the idea of money and wealth. And it probably is, I, I was, gosh, what was this? Maybe a month, two months, three months ago, there was a survey that came out of a saying, and it's an annual survey. And every year it's always, what's going to make you happier? What would be the biggest thing that would change your life? And it always has to do around money. And the majority of respondents will say something like winning the lottery. So I, I think it's just so incredible that mindset is such a big part of your life. And at such, before you've been born, you're born into this, into this family that made this shift that was maybe a, a potential mindset. You grew up with fortune always being a popular and positive word. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, to kind of piggyback on what you're saying about the survey that people want to be rich or so to speak, but I think most people, you know, want to be in a, a level where they don't have to think about money, where they can just pay their bills and that's not a stress. But uh, when you get to that certain level of uh, wealth, it, I don't know if it, it brings you that happiness. Um, you know, I think, it, you know, having artificial things like cars, houses, I mean, that's all awesome stuff. But deep down, I'm not sure if that that makes you truly happy. I think the, the important thing about you mentioned mindset is being truly happy of who you are right this moment, not who you were in the past, not who you want to be in the future, but who you are right now, warts and all. And I think if you figure out how to be happy right now in the present, that is the most important thing as opposed to, you know, getting that wealth that people think they want. You know, Paul, let's, let's dive into that because you and I had a conversation before, and I think you had shared with me that what was critical in your journey of going from this kid who doctors said was not going to walk to being able to do what you do was having a mindset shift specifically around the psychology. And I, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you had shared something to the effect that then as you did this, you started to engage with people differently and the kids who used to bully you began to cheer for you. 
Yeah, absolutely. So uh, just to kind of give a, a background to your, your viewers a little bit, um, I'm, like you said in my bio, I have cerebral palsy. And if your uh, viewers don't know what that is, it's lack of oxygen in the brain at, at labor. And as a result, it could lead to one side of the body paralyzed. And this does not go away. This is forever. So I had that diagnosis, but I, I, again, I had a great mom and I went through a lot of physical therapy. So that wasn't the case, but I still walk with a limp and I still hold my right arm differently. And uh, I was at the same school for quite a while and I really fit in there because they, they grew up with me and they kind of understood me. They, they, they knew that I had a limp and this and that, but I switched schools again when I was 12 or 13 years old. And that's just a tough age to change schools at period with no disability. I was a new kid. On top of that, I walked with a little bit of limp and I still I held my right arm differently. So during that time in my life, I was bullied teased quite a bit. And on top of this, all this going on, I was raised Catholic and my mom wanted me to go to a Catholic high school. So I had to take an assessment test to see where I was at academically. And uh, I must have bombed the test because when I met with my, the principal and my mom, the, the principal tells me and my mom that they're going to put me at the lowest level possible. And I don't expect much from him. He does not look like he's college material. So I have that going against me. Now I'm now, now this principal, I think that I'm stupid. So I think I'm stupid and I'm going to school where everybody doesn't like me. They're picking on me and I'm just crying myself to sleep most nights going, why me? Why do I have to be different? And alluding to your question about that energy shift that I had, um, I don't know what came over me, but midway through my eighth grade, I was just sick and tired of being angry and sad all the time because I knew those were not my go-to emotions. But because of the environment I was in, I was put into those emotions a lot, but I didn't want to go there anymore. So I thought to myself, what could I do to kind of distract me from these feelings? And I thought, what if I set a goal for myself? And so I can focus in on the goal and kind of ignore the outside noise. And at the time, I loved baseball. So I made a goal for myself that I would make my varsity baseball team. So I started to enroll in fall ball, winter ball, spring ball. And if I wasn't doing that, I was throwing a tennis ball against the ball. And I was doing this constantly. And it alludes to what you were talking about is I didn't know this at the time. I know this now. But I started to change the energy I was putting out. I started to have a little bit more confidence in myself. I had my shoulders back, my head up. And as a result of this new energy shift, the kids around me start to take notice and they started to change the energy back towards me. In other words, instead of bullying and teasing me, they started rooting for me. They knew what my goal was. They started rooting for me. So my middle school, junior high career was way different than my high school career all because of my energy shift and all because of the self-confidence I gained going after this goal of trying to make my varsity baseball team. Paul, that is such an inspiring story. And I want to come back to that why me piece. I feel like so many folks get in a place in life where they get stuck and they, you know, so much of the potential is sucked out of life because they become so fixated or obsessed over the why me. Uh, how does one you know, how does one begin to break out of that psychology, especially ones who might be, who might be an adult and they might have been running that pattern, running that story for 10, 20, 30 years, whatever it is, because I know, gosh, who was it? Was it W. Mitchell had said something to the effect of he had, he had went after he'd been in a plane crash or a bike crash, he had lost the use of his fingers. He had been burned over a huge percentage of his body. He, and he had said, you know, I, I sat as I was laying in the hospital bed unable to move. 
I realized that there's probably before the accident, there's probably a thousand things I could do. And now because of the accident, there was probably a hundred of those things I'd no longer be able to do. And he said, I realized I had this choice. I could either focus on the hundred things I could no longer do. I could focus on doing the other 9,900 things even better than I did before. And he said the math, you know, something that affected the math made sense to me. So for the folks who are in that kind of why me space, you know, how would, how would you speak to them? What are some places they could start? What are some key steps they need to take? Well, you hit the nail on the head with that story that you just told. Focus in on what you can do, not what you can't. That, that is extremely important. But before you do that, before you get to that point, you need to be aware of what you're telling yourself on a daily basis. That's very important that we understand our inner dialogue because I think that's extremely important. I think everybody should spend a day writing down your thoughts the whole day. Don't judge yourself. Just write down those thoughts. And then the next day, evaluate what you're saying to yourself uh, throughout the day. And, and don't put yourself down if, oh, geez, it's very, very negative. That's a good thing. Now you are aware of the dialogue that you're saying yourself. So when those thoughts start to come in your head, these negative thoughts that start coming in your head, you can say, no, this is not my reality. This is just a thought. This is not reality. And you can start breaking that pattern. And then that's when you add what you were just talking about, the kind of that gratitude piece and focusing on what you do have and not what you don't have. Um, and this is a daily practice. It's, it, it can be very simple, but it's very, very difficult because there's, life happens and things are going to be thrown at you. They're not going to be all this pleasant all the time. And I'm not telling anybody to not feel sadness or not feel anger. We're all human beings and we're entitled to, to feel these feelings and we should feel these feelings. But there's going to be a time in your life where you're going to say to yourself, I don't want to feel this way anymore. I don't want to be angry anymore. I don't want to be sad anymore. And the easiest way to start that is by focusing on what is going well in your life right now. I have a practice that I do with that I do personally that I have my clients do on a um, regular basis. And it's and it's this when you wake up in the morning before you do whatever your morning routine is, whatever that is, take just a few minutes to think about what, what is going well in your life, what you're grateful for in your life. Even write it, a lot of people, if you don't want to write it down, that's fine. It'd be better if you wrote it down because it just, it, it just feels better when you write it down, it just focuses in your brain better. And what that does is it trains your mind to look out for the positive things that can happen during your day. Because uh, I use this analogy all the time. When you buy a car, and you start driving that car all over the place, all of a sudden you see that same car that you bought all over the place. You didn't notice that before, but you notice it now. Your mind is focusing in on that. The same thing with your, your with the positive and negative uh, influence. If, you're, if your mind's going positive, your mind is going to gravitate to more positive things. It, the same way as a negative, it will gravitate to more negative if, you're, if your mind's going negative. Like if you're driving to work and you have a negative mindset, you get a flat tire and you go, this would happen to me. I, I, I always, bad things always happen to me. I would get a flat tire going to work. And I would say to that person, yeah, bad things do happen to you because you're focusing in on the bad things that are happening to you on a daily basis. And it's all about out of shift. And that's all, all starts with the mindset. You know, that, that is, it's so true. It's what is that expression? What we think about, what we bring about, what we focus on, we become. Yep. Right. And it's, it's, I often say, I, I did a keynote the other week, Paul, and, and 
one of the things I was talking with the audience about is they said something to the effect of, you know, there's 14, each day has 1,440 moments in it. And that's 1,440 opportunities to be grateful or 1,440 opportunities to be something else. And it is incredible how many of us default to that something else and how much we're almost incentivized by media, by conversations amongst you know, general populations, people at work to drift into that place. You, you turn on the news and it seems like the world's a scary, horrible place. But then you turn into your community around you independent of that bias. And the world really does seem quite beautiful and blissful in many respects. How is one supposed to, with so much, you know, attention is a commodity in a sense, right? And there's always people or things demanding our attention, competing for our attention. With so much noise trying to beckon us to focus on the negative, to beckon us to focus on what's wrong or how it's unfair or why life circumstances, you know, you have it better than I do. How does one begin to block out that noise and really tune into something more significant than that for themselves? It's all a choice. Hmm. We choose the people we hang out with. We turn on the television that has the media going on. It's all our choice. We can change that choice. We can surround ourselves that bring us up, not tear us down. We can watch things that are, are more positive that feed our mind. It's up to us. It's time for us not to point the finger, but point the thumb back at us. And if we want to, if we want the change, we need to make the change. That that's the bottom line to it. Do not blame anybody else because you feel bad. You need to do, you need to make some changes. So you make yourself feel happy. That is the bottom line. It's all about a choice and we need to choose, choose things differently. If, if, you, if we're in a negative environment, we ourselves need to break out of it. Nobody else is going to break it out for us. We need to do it for ourselves. So we got to remember that what we're doing is a choice. It's your, you know, the family that you create, the job that you do, the, the people you hang out with, the, the environment you're in, it's all a choice and it's up to us to break it if, if it's not going right for us. I love that. Paul, I was, as you're chatting, I was thinking and this question popped up and I regret if I didn't ask you. If you go back in time and change and not be born with cerebral palsy, would you make that choice? Wow, that is an excellent question. I've, I've never heard that question before. So thank you for asking me that question. Um, you know, if, if, if you were asking me this question at 22, my answer would probably be different than it is today. Today, I probably wouldn't change me having cerebral palsy because I think it's made the man I am today. It's made the coach I am today. It's kind of paved me the way I was. But at 22 years old and what I, what I went through as far as high school and having to work my butt off to make a varsity baseball team where, you know, my friends could just put on a glove and, you know, make the team because they were this that good. And I had to play sports all year round just to make the team. Um, I probably would have said, yeah, give me, sign me up for not having cerebral palsy. I would rather have not gone through it, but, uh, I think that, uh, life has given me this purpose, um, mm. that, that because I've had the cerebral palsy and the people that I've been able to help because of, of, of what I've had and what I've gone through and they can relate, I can relate to whatever their illnesses are 
um, it's really, really helped me in my business and in my life, um, the impact that I've been able to do. So I would not change it now, but 22 year old Paul. Yes, most definitely. What do you think is, I appreciate so much that answer, Paul. And I, I want to dive into it a little bit if you don't mind. Yeah. What do you think is the biggest shift for you in terms of from 22 year old you to now? Is it a shift in what's important, your values? Is it a shift in life circumstances? You were just so close to the painful stuff of the past. And now you've moved away and you've had enough distance from the past and you're being able to appreciate more right now. Was it a perspective shift? What was that? What's the biggest difference? You know, if we could, if we could take 22 year old Paul and present day Paul, and we could start to break that down. I'm curious, what is that? Are there any major indicators or things that should stand out for you there? 100% there is. Hmm. Vulnerability is a strength, not a weakness. I I know that now. At 22, I did not know that. See, for the longest time, telling somebody about me having cerebral palsy, I'd almost be in tears talking about that. I did not want to tell anybody about that because growing up, all I wanted to do was fit in. I didn't want to stand out. I didn't want any special treatment. I just want to be treated like everybody else. So I wanted to bury that story. I didn't want to talk about that story. Um, it wasn't until when I started to really embrace coaching is when I started to embrace my story. Because when I first got into coaching five or six years ago, I wasn't getting any clients. I wasn't doing any traction. It was just a tough go of things. And, and I thought to myself, how do I expect people to be vulnerable with me if I'm not vulnerable with them? So I thought about my own story about having cerebral palsy and thought, well, maybe that this might help people to know that, I, that what, what my struggles, what my struggles were. So I started to tell people my story over and over again. And I remember my first client coming up to me and goes, Hey, Paul, I don't have cerebral palsy, but I have this. And I think you can relate to me. I think you, you'll be able to help me. So I, I like your help as a coach and things start building and building from there all because I embrace my own vulnerability. And now I know that being vulnerable is much, much more of a strength than a weakness. So that's, that's what it was. It was embracing my own story, embracing my own vulnerability. God, it, it continues to amaze me about the human experience, Paul, that it's these, it's these realizations in that so often we handicap our lives because of our own psychology and how we weaponize our strengths against ourselves. We take something like our vulnerability, a condition that we've grown up with, whatever it is, and we grow up thinking that to be vulnerable is to be weak. And we actually learn later on, once we wake up to the truth, that to be vulnerable is to be strong and real. And it just, it makes me wonder, you know, again, how much do we leave in the tank? How much joy, happiness, abundance, love do we leave on the table of life? Because so many of us rob ourselves of that because we go through so much of our life thinking to be vulnerable is to be weak, defining ourselves by a story that we told ourselves 5, 10, 20, 30, 50 years ago. And it's that light bulb, I feel like for so many is so closer than they may realize sometimes, but it's leaning into that vulnerability. What was key for you in leaning into that vulnerability piece? Was there a day that all of a sudden you just woke up and you said, no more, no more is this going to affect me. I'm going to start telling this story. Was it something gradually that happened over time? Was it, 
was it a, an awareness for you? Was it as simple as that one, that one person who said, Hey, Paul, you know, I have something that I think you could relate to. I'd like you to help me. And then the light switch quick there. What was it for you, Paul? Well, it's definitely before that point that that client came up to me. It was, it was at the point where, um, I wasn't doing well in the coaching. I was making no, no money at the coaching and I excelled in another, uh, profession in mortgage loans. And I remember my last job being there and I made president's club. And I remember people saying, what the heck are you doing? You're an extremely good loan officer. Why would you leave? And I, and I left and they're like, you're going to be back. And I was at the point where I thought they were going to be right. That I, that I was going to have to go back because I wasn't making any money as a coach. And obviously I got to make money to live. And, um, and I just thought about, the client that I was trying to go after and having that client opening up to me. And I'm thinking to myself, I try to put myself in that client's shoes. Like, I don't know this guy. Why in the heck am I going to open up to this guy? I have no idea what he's coming from. How's what's, why is he so great? Why is he a guru? So I, 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 once I start thinking that way, like they don't know me, they don't know where I came from. Maybe it'd be helpful if I opened up, about myself, that they would know where I come from, that I'm coming from a place of care and hope that they would want to open up to me. And sure enough, once I start, and it wasn't easy. I remember doing it for the first time, opening up about having cerebral palsy because I, I wouldn't open up to my friends about it, that, you know, me for years, they knew something, you know, that, that, that I had something. Um, but I really never really dived into it with them. And I started doing that. And the more I started doing that, I mean, I was kind of emotional when I started first doing it, but the more I told my story, the more and more and more I did it, the more confident I felt about saying it. And then just building from there, you know, the people that I was able to touch by telling the story alone, not even clients of mine, just people that just listened to me speak going, Paul, um, you, you're, you're giving me hope. Thank you for telling your story. And just that alone just made me feel so, makes me feel so good. Do you ever lose that, that feeling? Of course. I'm a human being. So yeah, there's, there's days where it's like, you know, you wake up on the wrong side of the bed or something like that. And you're just like, man, you know, uh, you, you go and you, because you, you know, doing this as you, you know, Jesse, you have to be consistent. You got to be doing things outside the box, different things. And all, not everything that you do is going to take. You know, you could be posting something on social media and you get one or two views sometimes and you're like, man, I spent so much time doing this and nobody wants to even see it. This is ridiculous. Why did I even spend the time doing that? So you get start to get in your head and you start to go into a, a rabbit hole. But the thing is, it's, uh, it's all about the consistency. It's the key, you're building, you're building something. It's one brick at a time. And yeah, you know what? It may not show up tomorrow. But if you keep doing it, you can look back and say, whoa, geez, look at the steps that I built in the last few months. Look at all the stuff that I've been doing. And, and you know, and all of a sudden, one day you'll get a call going, you know what, Paul, uh, I, I want to work with you. And you're like, I haven't, in your, in your head, you're like, I haven't spoken to you six months. When, when, you, when I spoke to you six months ago, you told me never to talk to you again. And, and they're like, well, you know what, I, I've been reviewing your videos and they're very inspiring. And I think you can help me. And it, none of that would have happened if I just said, you know what, nobody, nobody viewed this. I'm going to stop it. I'm just going to do something else. 
but you know, if you continue to be consistent and break through those times where you can, where you're just, you know, having those burnout feelings, Jesse, you were talking to me earlier about, you know, how you, you're, you're a workaholic, you work all the time, but I'm sure there's times when you're doing 80 hour work weeks, you're like, Oh, I don't know about this, man. I don't have the energy. So, you know, it's, it's just all about, you know, perspective and giving yourself some grace. Paul, I'm curious, what do you do? What is your dialogue with yourself for those? I, I tortured myself for about two years over the, the social media metrics where I used to get, you know, thousands of engagements, comments, I mean, posts would go viral, all those types of things. And then, you know, as they say, the algorithms changed and they started to change how they, everything interacted and that started to diminish, but I'd be ruthless with myself spend hours planning out things and doing it and then have no results and be crickets. And I'm curious, what, what do you focus on to get through that? Was it, did you change your metrics instead of looking at, okay, number of likes, comments, interactions, do you think more of the person on the other side? Do you focus more on the message? Do you focus more on the intention of it? What do you do to help guide yourself through that? You know, I, I surround myself with a good environment of people, good environment of coaches, speakers, and we just kind of get together and we talk about what's working and what's not working. And then when you say it out loud in a group of people who are doing the same thing you're doing, then it sounds so silly that you're upset about it, right? It, it sounds so trivial. And you're like, oh man, I had that same problem two months ago and this is what I did to change it. So the, the most important thing that I do is I talk to other people about it. I do not suffer in silence. I think that's the worst mm. thing you could do is suffer in silence. I think you surround yourself with people that are, that, that are your, your network and you bounce ideas off each other, you help each other and, and um, the tide rises for everybody. So I, I, I want to help everybody because I feel like, I feel we've talked about it, abundance. Everybody, everybody will win. If you all work hard, we'll all win. We're not in competition. We're all going to rise to the top. If we do what we're supposed to do, we're all, we're all going to get to where we want to get to. How that? Paul, we're coming up on our time. Before I ask my final question, where's the best places for people to connect with you online? Uh, thank you. There's two ways uh, to get in touch with me. One is my website. It's uh, acalltoaction.coach. And I have a free guide on there on how you'll be able to rewrite your story, how I was able to rewrite my story, and how you maximize your day. It's free. It's a free guide. All you have to do is on my website. You get it for free. Acalltoaction.coach. It's there. And you can get in touch with me there if you want. And then also I developed a, a Facebook group called Rewrite Your Story. And it's from people all over the world. And it's a space for people to tell their stories with no judgment, only support. And we do monthly, monthly meetups once a month. And we just get together and we talk about our stories and we support each other and whatever we're, whatever we're trying to do in life. And we feel so good after the call. So uh, both those ways, rewrite your story, Facebook group, or go on my website at calltoaction.coach. I love that. Paul, you and I, it's the year is 2022. A year from now, you and I are sitting down having a conversation. What is the impact you've made in the last year? The impact I, I, I want to make in the year is I want to be able, and it just be one person. I don't even, I just, even one person. To, to look at themselves and go, oh, wow, a year ago, Paul, I thought I couldn't do this. But, but with talking with you and, and, and you helping me, I understand that the sky is the limits. I have so much talent 
that I need to share with the world that I didn't know before, but I know now. And I have broken that limited belief. I'm here to help and I'm here to uh, serve the world. I love that. Everyone, this is one you're going to want to rewatch and re-listen. And also be sure to share it with your friends who might be able to relate to this. You know, as Paul mentioned a couple of times, people reaching out to him, hearing his message said, you know, Paul, I may not have gone what you went through, but I can relate. And I think you can too. I think we all have people in our lives. Maybe that's us, or maybe that's people we know and care about most who have struggled with something, whether it's a physical limitation, an intellectual limitation, a geographic limitation, whatever it is. Many of us might be burdened by a limitation that we perceive in our life that often the limitation, the biggest and deepest origin is in our own mind. It's how we're viewing the limitation as a limitation. And gifting him this opportunity to hear Paul, someone who was born with cerebral palsy, somebody who was told he would never walk, someone who was told that he was dumb and unacademic and incapable of, to go on and to get his grades up, to go on and make a varsity baseball team, to go on and excel in an industry that he had started off at the bottom of, and to go on to now coach and mentor and speak and share his message with other people, to be someone who once viewed vulnerability as a weakness and has stepped into the truth that vulnerability is arguably the greatest superpower that all of us possess. And the kryptonite to vulnerability is withholding it, hiding it, thinking that it's a weakness. Paul shared with us about his morning practice about the what's working well. He talked about doing an exercise of keeping uh, writing down your thoughts that you think during a day, whatever comes up, not judging yourself and just reviewing it and taking inventory of what kind of dialogue you have with yourself. He talked about looking at how we can turn and really transform those limitations and what are we going to choose to focus on? Are we going to choose to focus on the few things we cannot do? Or maybe we don't do that well. Are we going to choose to focus on all the things we can do and all the things that we can prove on and do even better? You know, there's a choice. We talked about the environments we create and the environments we are in. And, and when so many environments com competing and trying to draw our attention to the negative or the, the deprecating, that there's always choice. Choice in the people we surround ourselves with, choice in the media we tune into, choice in the people we hang out with physically and online, choice in the content we consume, and that we all have the opportunity to make a choice to choose a better opportunity for ourselves. Speaking of people, I love what Paul said about surrounding himself with people and that when something's bothering him or on his mind or heavy in his heart, he doesn't just hold on to it and suffer in silence and beat himself up about it, but he speaks and talks to the other people about it. And the simple notion of saying that out loud often makes, reduces so much to the power that has over him and puts him in a place of problem solving. You know, how much are we holding on to? How much are we burying deep down because we're afraid to speak it out that we could be getting resolution on right now and moving forward, but we're actually allowing that to weigh us down because we're holding it heavy on our heart. I loved Paul's honest answer about the cerebral palsy. If you could go back and change it and the contrast and answers, if it was 22-year-old Paul versus who he is today, and recognizing that that 22-year-old who had just come out of the painful place would likely say, yeah, I would love to do over with that. I appreciate the truth in that so much because it's, it's great for all of us when we get to a place where we've moved beyond our pain and we're stepping into purpose to say, yeah, I would never change anything. But I think for most of us who have gone through those painful experiences, when we're in the pain, if we could go back and, and do it over again, we'd probably take it. And so I, I say that to all of you because it's okay to feel that way and take it from Paul, take it from myself. That if you keep leaning into it and you keep leaning into and embracing vulnerability, I'm betting like Paul, you will find purpose on the other side of your pain. Paul, thank you so very much for being here today. This was a very fortune, quite a fortune for all of us to share this time with you. 
I deeply appreciate your message, your journey, and how you're showing up and serving others in the world. Thank you. Jesse, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for the platform. Absolutely. We'll see you next time, everybody, on another edition of A Handful of Hope. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you're finding value in these conversations, please rate and review on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite place is to listen to podcasts.